Who gives justice to those who are oppressed and food to those who hunger? The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord cares for the stranger. He sustains the orphan and widow, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. The Lord shall reign forever. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. We've been journeying through the Gospel of Mark, and Jesus is now actually in Jerusalem. I've been saying for weeks when gospel writers speak about Jerusalem, behind this is always, always the idea that Jesus' death is coming. In other words, his time for teaching is growing short. And so in our gospel passage this morning, Jesus distills the meaning of life in two, only two, bite-sized lessons. This is what it means to be a follower of the way. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Do these two things. Love God with all of your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. So the first bite-sized lesson wasn't new. It's part of what's called the Shema one of the oldest scriptures repeated by religious Jews. It was core to their identity, and it still is. So what was new and a bit earth-shattering was when Jesus spoke of loving neighbor. How dare he add to the Shema? He can't do that. Who does he think he is? Well, he did just that. I've spoken many times about how this is one of the characteristics of Jesus. Is that you think he's going to do one thing and he does the complete opposite. But remember, Jesus came to show another way. He came to be another way. He is the constant reminder that the ways of God aren't exactly how things have always been done or what most people think is the correct way of doing things. So he makes this addition to the Shema. Again, one of the oldest and most prized scriptures from the book of Deuteronomy. The core of Jewish identity. Not only am I to love God, but I'm also to love my neighbor. And not just love them, but love them as myself? Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. So this was almost too much for most people to hear. And what's more is that it isn't a suggestion, it isn't a helpful hint on how to be a better person, no. This is a command. And if you want to know what Jesus did, what he stood for, what he taught, what he modeled again and again, it is just those two things. Love God and love your neighbor. 
So as my hope as your priest that this teaching, it's not unfamiliar to your ears or heart, I hope that you've heard it. If anything, I hope as a priest in my own priesthood to recite, recall, and bring to mind this teaching as often as I am able. I hope that you've heard it so much while at grace that it's found a place where it has settled in, perhaps in a way that it never has before. I guess I call it to mind again and again at grace because I know I need for it to be front and center in my mind. Because in big and small ways, this teaching has changed me, changed the way I see people, interact with them, and dare I say, love them. And most of this change has happened on the grounds of grace, encountering and getting to know who actually our neighbors are, and loving them. Perhaps you've seen Robert. Robert rides his bike all over town. Does Robert ring a bell to anybody in this room? If so, please raise your hands. Oh my gosh. I wonder if Robert knows how famous he is. (laughs) So you might have seen him because he has a small trailer attached to the back of his bike. And somehow he's constructed these contraptions to mount his fishing poles standing up. So he drives around town on his bike with two fishing poles on the back. So on Wednesday of this week, I was seated at my desk and I looked up and I saw Robert standing, smiling. He's toothless. He doesn't have a tooth in his head, but he was smiling and waving at me. And he motioned, come outside, Mother Suzanne. He was really happy. Normally he's not this happy, but he was. And he was really talkative, too. And out of the blue, he told me, Mother Suzanne, I got to tell you something really important. I said, oh, yeah, Robert, what's that? And he said, today it's my birthday. I said, get out. How old are you, Robert? He said, I'm 50. I said, you're 50? He then proceeded to tell me how his dad had died at age 42. And so he, a homeless man, never imagined living past 42. And then he told me how his mom told him that because he chose to live on the streets, that he would never see 50. With a huge smile on his face, he said, Mother Suzanne, today I did it. He turned 50. This was a huge achievement for a man without a home. But a man who always finds his way to grace. Dare I say, one of his own homes in this town. So I ventured out a little bit, and I asked him, I said, Robert, why in the world on your 50th birthday did you make your way to Grace? And do you know what he said? He said, Mother Suzanne, he said, because I'm always welcomed here. You have never turned me away. Nobody has here. Well, before he left... 
we sang an impromptu happy birthday, gave him a few birthday, cake, uh, birthday gifts, including two gallons of milk, some cookies of his choice, and all the leftover cake from Thursday's mobile food pantry. It was chocolate and lemon. It was really good. Nothing fancy. Nothing big. But an acknowledgement of a huge milestone for him. He wanted to share. An acknowledgement of his humanity. And he wanted us at Grace to know that he turned 50. And then, the next day, there's a young woman named Crystal. A woman who's been trafficked and exposed to to the cartel. She's been in a life of drugs and prostitution. And the one time she made her way to Grace, she sat down at the kitchen table and a crack pipe fell out of her boot. This is a woman who's been dependent upon men who don't treat her well at all. At a very low point in her life, she made her way to Grace just a few weeks ago. And on that particular day, she only was wearing, only had the clothes that she had on her back. And she pulled down her shirt and she showed me something which I'd never seen before. And it was a razor blade, this big, that she tucked into her bra. And she said, this is my way of protecting myself. She made her way to Grace. She was hungry. She was really dirty and really, really scared. She said she wanted something to eat, so we heated up some soup for her. And I just asked the question again, of all the places that you could go, why in the world did you come to Grace? And she looked at me and she said, I don't have anywhere else to go. But I knew if I came to Grace, I would be safe. Well, just this week, after not having seen her for a few months, she was back. Said she was doing better. She actually looked better. And with a smile on her face, while finishing up a lunch from the blessing box, she said, Thank you. Thank you for having the best blessing box in this entire town. (laughs) And I said, You're welcome. And she said, whenever I step onto the grounds of grace, I know I will never go hungry. Those words stopped me dead in my tracks. And it occurred to me, this is what it means to be a neighbor. And this is what Jesus has always asked others. What do you need? And how can I help meet that need? But for those of us who want to be neighbors, it's being prepared, saying yes, 
It's making yourself available. It's not really doing anything earth-shattering or over the top. Being a neighbor is what Robert said. You never turned me away. You always welcomed me. It's what Crystal said. I feel safe here. And as long as I'm here, I know I will never go hungry. As followers of Jesus, this is what Jesus said and taught. And we at Grace are doing this. And it's not people of grace just professing this. It's our neighbors, those who are in the greatest need, those who we have come to love and serve. They are the ones who are telling us, you're feeding us. You're welcoming us. You're not turning us away. We're not telling one another that. These are our neighbors telling us this. It's meeting people where they're at. It's slowing down. It's being mindful. It's not turning them away. It's moving towards them. Oh, many folks at Grace have also spent a lot of time in the pumpkin patch this month. It has been a delight to walk out every single day to hear the sounds of children and to be surprised at what Grace member is going to be in the patch today. That was kind of my guessing game. Who's going to be in the patch today? And what delights me more than anything is actually watching Grace folks interact with our neighbors, helping them, engaging them, inviting them to church, dadgummit. Can you believe that? So many young families and so many offers of invitation have been extended, all in a pumpkin patch. Well, a new member of Grace, he's not even been here a year, has loved his time in the patch so much, he's been our number one seller of pumpkins. Every chance he could get when his work schedule would open up, he would sign up for a, pa- uh, uh, a shift in the patch. So I finally asked him, Tom, what's up? Why do you like coming to the patch so much? And he said, Suzanne, I just love meeting all these people. He said, I never knew there were so many awesome people in Alvin. I love talking with my neighbors. I've seen a side of grace I never knew before working in the patch. And he told me that with a smile on his face that radiated joy. We can choose to love our neighbors in countless ways. And if if God has led you to grace, the ways are endless. And that is what we do here. We just don't read about it. We just don't say, well, maybe one day we'll get around to loving our neighbors. No, no, no. You have a spiritual home that actively engages in the work of loving neighbors and loving them well.
And I will say, loving another is perhaps the most humbling spiritual discipline you could ever endeavor to do. It's easy to love someone that you're attracted to or that you like being around. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is specifically talking about loving those when they're not like you or when you don't agree with them or when they don't smell like you or look like you. But what I have found, and this is what has transformed me, is that loving another can actually give you another set of eyes by which to see them. Sounds weird, huh? What I found is that when love leads, the ability to meet folks where they're at comes a little bit easier and perhaps a bit more willing. Maybe you would like to dip your toes into this whole loving your neighbor commandment a bit more. Maybe you have felt for a long time that there's been a part of your spiritual walk that feels a bit empty. And if that's you, and I believe in a room this big with this many people, there could perhaps at least be one. If the Holy Spirit is making you curious about this, spend some time on the grounds of grace. Get to know those who find their way here. Spend an afternoon greeting folks at the Blessing Box or Fridge. Take a walk with me around downtown. Spend a few moments in the pumpkin patch. Today is the last day. Whatever it is, stake your claim. Don't put it off. This morning, one of our other neighbors, Simon, came to the blessing box. He's a regular here. He said, Pastor, I'm really cold. I need a blanket. Do you have a blanket? Do you have a jacket? Do you have anything? I'm really cold. I said, hang on. Go talk to Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed was in the pumpkin patch. Before I knew it, they were back in the office, and Ed had gone to his apartment and gotten a blanket. I'd brought some pants from home. It just happened to be at the front of the office, and he took a pair of those pants. And he also took a jacket with him that somebody felt compelled to buy. We have to be prepared, right? We have to be willing. I can't say no. If you found your way here, we are prepared. And I'm asking you to join in. This is what Jesus commands us to do. It's not a suggestion, it's not a helpful hint. It is what he is asking us to do. Loving God and loving neighbor. Amen.